This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Akunev Shabbos, hope everyone is well. This week's parasha, parasha Shmois, we are introduced and we learn about Moshe Rabbeinu. We know Moshe Rabbeinu, greatest Navi to ever live, the one that has the schus to give us the Torah, but what do we really know about Moshe Rabbeinu? What does the Torah tell us about who Moshe Rabbeinu was? And perhaps even more so, what made him so great? What made it that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be the one that was going to be the Nisan HaTorah to Klai? So why is it Torah as Moshe? Why was Moshe the greatest Navi? Why was he the leader of the Jewish people? What made him so great? What does the Torah tell us about Moshe Rabbeinu? And what can we learn from the great Godless of Moshe Rabbeinu for our own lives. If you look in the, in the beginning, Parag Beis, Pasuk Aleph, the Torah doesn't give us much about Moshe Rabbeinu. It tells us, Vahib Yom Mehem was during those days, Vahid al Moshe, Moshe grew up, Vahid he goes out to his brothers. So the altar from Kelm and Yaakov Kavanetsky make the same observation. If you go through this week's parish and you read, the parasha, what do we see about Moshe Rabbeinu? What is the common denominator? What is his character trait that we know about him? If so, if we recap the parasha and look at what we know this week from Moshe Rabbeinu, we'll find some very interesting things. We find in the beginning, Moshe Rabbeinu goes out to see how his brothers are doing. He wants to see and feel their pain. Secondly, he goes out and sees a Jew being attacked by Mitzri and he goes and defends the Jew. Later on, he sees a fight between two Jews. He tries to break it up. And lastly, we find when he's by the river, when he's by the well in Midian, he goes and helps Tzipoira, helps them drink, feed their animals, and helps them from those that are causing them pain. Points out both the altar from Kelman and Yaakov Kamenetsky, what is the common denominator in all of Moshe Rabbeinu's so far traits? His attitude always is, let me help someone else. How can I make someone's life a little better? Someone's in stress, someone needs help, someone's in pain, let me go help them. That is what we see about Moshe Rabbeinu. That points out these great G'dayim is what makes Moshe Rabbeinu so special. It makes him a kibble, a base kibble, someone who could accept the Torah, someone who can give us the Torah because he has compassion. He has sympathy and empathy. He thinks and cares about other people. That's what the Torah tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu, whose ability to see a person in pain, someone who's in distress, someone who needs help, and he goes and helps them. That is what made Moshe Rabbeinu great. And that is what we need to learn to obtain greatness in this world is about someone who thinks and sees and feels someone else's pain and tries to help them as much as they can. But I believe there's some deeper lessons here as well. If you look at the Pasuk, when the Pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu went out to his brothers, there's one important word that I think the Torah is, is emphasizing for us. He saw their pain. Moshe Rabbeinu was living in the palace. He knew good and well what was happening to the Jewish people. He read it in the newspaper. He knew. He got the reports from inside the palace <coughs> about what was happening to the Jewish people. Why did he have to go out and see it? The answer is there is nothing comparable to seeing something with your own eyes and hearing about it. There's nothing comparable to seeing versus hearing. Seeing is so much stronger. When you see someone in pain, it is much more powerful than when you hear that they're in pain. So yes, Moshe Rabbeinu heard the reports. He perhaps even saw the reports. 
but he wanted to go out and see with his own eyes what the Jews are feeling, what the Jews are experiencing. That is an additional level of not just to know someone's in pain, but to vayar, see their pain with your own eyes. We're living in a time right now where there are Jews that are in pain, Jews that are in a very difficult situation. There are Jews, soldiers, civilians and the like that are in pain. We, Baruch Hashem, are lucky here in America. We don't see it front and center like they do. But the Torah tells us we have to see their pain. There's a beautiful thing called videos. Today they have videos and there's streaming and we can watch and we can see what the soldiers are going through. We see through their video cameras on their helmets what it's like to go through in a town in Gaza trying to rid the world of Hamas. We can see through video what it's like, soldiers davening l'chadoidi in a tank on a Friday night. We can see what it's like for soldiers on a base when they're singing songs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the vayar that we are lucky today, so to say, to have. We're not just knowing that there are soldiers that are fighting and there are Jews that are in pain. We see it. Vayar. We can see what they're going through. We can internalize it on a much deeper level because we see what they're going through. Not on a daily basis, because I don't think we can handle that type of information. But once in a while, you'll see a video clip, you'll see something about what it's like to be a soldier, what it's like to be away from your family for so long. What's it like to be on an army base? What's it like to be in a tank? What's it like to go door to door in a Gazan town, trying to see if there's Hamas hiding? We see it. And we have the ability to really feel their tsar, because of our and we see the videos. And we need to know what it's like, try to put ourselves in their shoes to feel a little bit of what they're dealing with. And we find later on in the parasha, Moshe Rabbeinu does the same thing. When Moshe Rabbeinu is told that he's going to go there to Mitzrayim to save the Jewish people, he takes the family and his wife and they go to Mitzrayim. And Rabbi Yashav pointed out, what was the purpose of this? He says, because he wanted his children to see firsthand what the brethren are suffering. He could have left the family in safe Midian, gone to Mitzrayim, and sent them telegrams. Send them messages, let me explain to you what's going on. You don't realize what they're doing to Achenu Ben Yisrael, how they're beating us. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, I don't want my children to hear it. I want my children to see it. In a doimish milaria, when we see a Jew in pain, it's not the same thing as hearing about a Jew who's in pain. When we see it, we feel it, we can connect to it on a much deeper level. But sometimes you can't always see the pain that someone is going through. But we have an amazing ability to imagine I heard as a hesped for Matsyo Solomon Zatzal, for one of his early Talmidim in the England years. He once asked Matsyo Solomon, how do you deal with all the stresses that you hear on a daily basis? Every day, the most difficult, stressful, heart-wrenching stories made their way to Matsyo Solomon Zatzal. And the Talmud asked him, how do you deal with that? How do you not, how does this not bring you down? Or on, the, or on the flip side, how does that not make you just so dehumanized? It makes it to the point where you have no feelings anymore because you have to just put it all away, put it all aside. And Matasha Solomon said, when, every, when each person tells me a tzara, I imagine for a few seconds I'm in that person's shoes. What must it feel like to be in that situation? That's Vayar B'Sivloisam. That's what made Matasha Solomon one of the great leaders of our generation because he felt, he saw their pain. He imagined their pain. When someone told him a story, he felt like he was seeing it with his own eyes. He was living it. He was vayar b'siv loisam. But we know <coughs> one other thing 
that the Torah tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu, which is also a very important message for us. Patsuk says, Vayar Ish Mitzri. Moshe Rabbeinu watches, he sees a Mitzri hit, Ish Ivri, another Jew, Me'achav, from his brothers. What's that extra word, Me'achav, from his brothers? The answer is the Torah is reminding us that each Jew is a brother. How are you supposed to feel connected to every single Jew? How am I supposed to care? Feel compassion, feel sympathy to a Jew I'm not related to. He's not me. He's not, I don't even know him. You think Moshe Rabbeinu knew this Ish Ivri? There are hundreds of thousands of Ish Ivris on the street. The answer was Me'achav. He's one of my brothers. If we look at every single Jew as one of ours, he's our brother. He's our first cousin. He's our, he's our brother-in-law. We have a very different attitude to our, to our relationship and our camaraderie. We don't know so many Yidin on the other side of the world, we don't know them. They're just a name, but they're Me'achav. They're our brother. We need to internalize that every Jew is Me'achav. He's one of our brothers. And when a Jew feels that compassion, that he realizes each Jew is a brother, literally, figuratively, he'll be able to have much more sympathy and compassion towards him. This Midah of seeing each Jew as a brother was also true by Ramat Solomon. They say that, again, I don't know about the Lakewood years, but in the, in the years still in England, Rebbe and his Rebbe used to answer the phone themselves when someone would call. So the Talmud asked him, Rebbe, you're getting busier and busier, maybe you should have someone answer the phone for you. And Rebbe Solomon said, no. We decided, me and my Rebbe decided, that we don't want anyone else answering the phone because we don't want anyone else deciding who gets through and who doesn't get through. Every Jew that calls his house wants to speak to me, wants to discuss something with me, and they're all equal. I don't need someone deciding who gets priority, who gets in, who doesn't get in. We're going to answer the phone ourselves, and we're going to give everyone and, any, and anyone the opportunity to speak if they need so. That was the feeling that every Jew was important. It didn't matter who the Jew was, from the biggest Talmud Chacham to the lowest person in the world. If someone called the Ramat Solomon's house needing his advice, seeking his guidance, they got through. It's because Ramat Solomon lived his life with everyone's was me'achav. Each Jew was one of his brothers. And lastly, at the end of the parasha, we find Maishu Rabbeinu was slightly hesitant again to take this position as the leader of the Jewish people because he was worried about his brother's feelings. What would his brother, Aaron, who was older, at the time was leading the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, what would Aaron feel? So the Torah tells us, Hashem says to Maishu Rabbeinu, don't worry, Aaron will be thrilled for you. But we see that Maishu Rabbeinu would have thrown it all away, not taking the greatest position in the world to be the leader of the Jewish people, to be Mashiach Yisrael. Maishu Rabbeinu would have turned down the job, said nicely to Hashem, no thank you because I don't want to hurt my brother's feelings. That's because that was Maishu Rabbeinu's entire mantra in life, was let me help someone else, let me do for someone else, let me improve someone's life, not chas v'shalom, ruin or hurt someone's life. Share with you an amazing story about Rabbi Shmuel Rizovsky. Shmuel Rizovsky was known as the Panovich Rosh Hashiva. One of the biggest Marbitse Torah in our century. So many Rosh Hashivas today and so many Magide Shurim today quote his Torah from Rabbi Shmuel Rizovsky. Shmuel Rizovsky grew up in the town of Grodna. Before the Holocaust, his father was the Rav of the town of Grodna. And after his father died, there was a question of who was going to take his father's position over Shmuel Rozovsky then, already a big Talmud Chacham, but he had an older brother, who was also befitting to be a Rav. And the question was, who's going to take over? The father of Shmuel Rozovsky figured, of course, my older brother would take over. He deserves the position as the older brother. But the townsfolk liked Shmuel Rozovsky very much. He had a personality, 
He had an attraction that the people wanted him very much to be the Rav. But Rav Shavuzovsky would not hear of it. He said, this is my older brother, he gets the position. And he completely, completely turned on any chance, any question of such a possibility of him becoming the Rav. And they actually took it to Din Teira, to Chaim Moizer, Gruzinski, Zatzal, the Godel Hador at that time, and the Psak came down that, of course, the older brother will take over the position. And Rishmosovsky was thrilled. He had no desire to chas v'shalom step on his brother's toes. So his, his older brother became the Rav. They're talking about the mid-1930s in the town of Granda, but still, Rishmosovsky lived in the town. He was a student of the Sharatari Yeshiva in the town of Granda. And the people were gravitating to him. Even though his brother was the Rav, but people liked him. And they'd bring their issues to him and they would discuss with him. And he felt this is belittling, perhaps, his brother's covet. He felt this wasn't right to his brother. So as the story goes, he made a gairul agra, and decided to move to Eretz Yisrael. Told me the mid nineteen thirties to move to Eretz Yisrael was not an easy move. Those years, Eretz Yisrael was not the place to be, not for learning, not for Yiddishkeit. The bigger yeshuv, the bigger place for the Jews at that time was in Europe. But Rishmuel Rozovsky decided it wouldn't be right for him to stay in his hometown with his family, with his friends, if it would come at a slight to his older brother. And ultimately, Rishmuel Rozovsky moved to Eretz Yisrael, and that moved saved his life because he was not there during the Holocaust. And the town of Grunda, along with his entire family, were murdered by the Nazis. His giving up for his brother to make sure his brother, Chas Shalom wouldn't feel slighted, ultimately saved his life. And Bishmuzovsky became the famed Rosh Hashiva that we all know of. Until this day, people are still learning and delivering his shurim. Maishu Rabbeinu teaches us in this week's parasha, our mantra in life is to do for others and make sure at no cost are we hurting or causing pain to anyone else. That defines greatness. That is what a leader is. That's where Matasheh Salman's Salman was. He was a person whose whole purpose in life, his whole holach yelich was, let me help another Jew. Let me be a listening ear to another Jew. Let me give Eitzah to another Jew. Let me give Chizik to another Jew. And that's why he was so beloved to the Tzibah. And that's why he's so missed today because he was a Yid who was like Moshe Rabbeinu. His life, his mission, his journey was to see how he can help others and make people's life just a little bit easier. Mr. Hashem, we should fill the void that was created by the loss of the Mashkiach. And we should learn from Maish Rabbeinu in this week's parasha. What does it mean to be a great leader? What does it mean to be great? What does Hashem view as greatness? Not perhaps what the world views as great, but great is a person who can help another person. Try to make someone's life a little bit easier today. Try to lift a little bit of the pain off. And Chas Shalom never ever try to cause slight or pain to anyone else. But Hashem, we should take this message. We should be zeichet to see great things from all of us. We should be able to learn a little bit from Meish Rabbeinu. Fill the void left by Ramat Yisrael. And be zeichet to see the Geula Shlema, like Meish Rabbeinu was able to do for the Jewish people. Take them out of their difficult times, out of their darkness. We too, we too should be zeichet to get out of our dark, difficult colors. With the arrival of Mashiach, Amen.